Bridge Youth, how you guys feeling tonight? You good? Look at your neighbor and say, you look good. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Tell them, eh. <laughs> hey, if you got a Bible, open your Bible. Um, hey, who's got a paper Bible? Anybody? Heck yeah. Yo, if you got a paper Bible, you're awesome. Like, you can use your paper Bible as a fast pass to get into heaven. There's something special about a paper Bible. Open your Bibles to, um, to Acts chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 22. Hey, let me just take a really quick moment to just say welcome. Uh, first off, to everybody who's here week in and week out. Those of you guys who are like the devoted uh, bridges who rain or shine, you are here. Shout out to you guys. You rock. But also, uh, shout out to everybody who's maybe here for the very first time. Uh, one of our favorite things around here at Bridge Youth is meeting people, uh, new people, meeting people for the very first time. Met a couple brand new people already. We absolutely love it. You got to know, um, if you are in the room, you're family. We love you. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. You chose to spend some of your time with us. We just think that that is so so awesome. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Here at Bridge Youth, we like welcoming our guests in a way that never gets old for us. We like saying we're here to build you up, not... That's right. We love you. We back you. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Hey, tonight, I've got a banger of a message to share with you. So, just a couple ground rules Uh for preaching, I'm a hollaback preacher. If you've never heard me preach before, which would only be a few of you, I, I, I do well when you talk back to me. I don't do well when you talk that way. Talk this way with me. You can say amen. You can say let's go. You can say um, that's good. You can say preach it, white boy. And just as a practice, choose your favorite and shout it out. One, two, three. Sick. Hey, a couple things before we jump into the message. Two things. Somebody say two things. Oh, uh, number one, next week. Look at your neighbor and say, next week. Next week, we got connect group night. If ever there's a night to not miss youth, it's next week. Because next week will not be me on a platform for four hours preaching. Oh, in my dreams. It won't be me preaching. Really, next week is all about all of us bringing something to the table. Direct callback to Wyatt's message last week. Um, so don't miss next week. And whoever brings home the Connect Group Cup, your entire, uh, your entire group, those Connect Groups will get free donuts on the first Sunday of February. Uh, the second thing, number two, somebody say number two. Number two, my lord. <laughs> Name that movie. Shrek, yes, whoever said that, you're, you're my favorite. Um, uh, number two, baptisms are coming up. If you've never been baptized, it would be my honor to baptize you. It is just a public proclamation of faith. Uh, so many people, man, they invite their families. It's an amazing celebration. So um, that is coming up the first Sunday of February. The first Sunday of February. So go online or go to the app, sign up. Would love to get you plugged in and to baptize you. Okay, so tonight we're continuing in our series entitled Devoted. Somebody say Devoted. Um, week one, I talked about how we're not called to be casual Christians. We're called to be devoted disciples. Can somebody say amen to that? Last week, Wyatt preached a phenomenal message about how the fellowship is for us, but it's not about us. And it was a great message. If you didn't see those, go to our YouTube channel, go back, watch the podcast. It was rad. Tonight, in the last message of this series, I thought what better way to learn about devotion to faith than looking at three of Jesus' disciples 
and learn from them. We'll learn some good, we'll learn some bad, some of what to do, some of what not to do as we look at Matthew, Judas, and Peter. So if you're taking notes, here's your sermon in a sentence. If you've never heard me preach before, I like boiling down the whole sermon to just one sentence. Here it is. This, the sermon in a sentence tonight is, you can't be devoted from a distance. You can't be devoted. Somebody say devoted from a distance. Somebody say distance. A relationship with God, it can't be a long distance relationship. Somebody say amen to that. Anyone ever been in a long-distance relationship? <laughs> they don't work out well most of the time. And you can't have a long-distance relationship with God. You can't be devoted from a distance. All right, let's jump into God's Word. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word? We're going to go... Um, just a couple of verses. We're not going to read a lot right now because we're going to dig into a lot of scripture along the way. But let's jump first into our theme verse for the year, our theme verse for this series. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. And here's what it says. It says, all, somebody say all. All the believers devoted themselves to, pay attention to the things that they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching, that's the word of God, they devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, for our framework tonight, we're going to be working off of Matthew chapter 22, verse number 37. Possibly, maybe, the most important verse in all of the Bible. Here's what it says. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Somebody say all. It didn't say some. It didn't say 50-50. It didn't even say love the Lord your God with 99.99999% of your No, 100%. It is all in or all out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you are so good. Would you speak to us tonight? God, I pray against every single distraction that might try to pull us away from what it is you want to do tonight. I pray our hearts would be open to what you want to do. And God, I do pray in Jesus' name that it wouldn't matter what coach the Chargers bring in, that they would still have an awful season next year. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Bless the Raiders, Lord, please. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Yo, Chargers fans, this is one of the only times you'll ever hear me say this. Y'all could take the division next year. You've got the talent. Now you got the coach. Ugh. It's heartbreaking, but I'm glad we got AP. Um, to everyone who doesn't watch football, it's like, move on, dude. Like, talk about something else. Okay, how about this? Anybody ever meet somebody who doesn't understand personal space? Bro, you ever meet someone who's like, stands this close to you? You're like, I can taste your breath. How about this? You ever go to Disneyland and there's people who like, that like, they, they might understand personal space, but they're not paying attention to their kid who's just running into your butt the whole time and you're like, Dude, I'm, I just want to get on Star Tours, bro. Um, at, the, at the church that Amber and I were on staff at before we came here, we had a very, very dear friend who was our women's ministry pastor there. Her name was Ghani Stanley. And Ghani was awesome. She was the sweetest, sweetest lady. Um, Ghani, how old was Ghani? She's probably, when we were there, probably mid-50s, mid-late-50s, sweetest lady. She was from Holland, so she was Dutch thick Dutch accent, and apparently, according to her, not just in how she lived, but even how she said, Dutch people do not understand personal space. 
And when I tell you this woman would talk to you this close, I have to, I have to use, um, don't, don't cut off our stream, YouTube. I have to use potentially vulgar language to, to describe this to you. Her, that's not vulgar language. All you guys are like, oh, oh buddy, the pastor's going to say a bad word. <laughs> like, she would, she, when she would talk, she would sit next to me in church and talk to me, and she would lean so close to me that, like, here's the vulgar part. Like, her boobs would be touching my arm. I'd be like, dude, <laughs> you got it back. And, like, and she was like, she was like a grandmother. To, stop recording. <laughs> she was like a grandma to me. Was like, but still, it's awkward, bro. It's awkward. I'm like, dude, someone, junior higher just said, he said boobs in church. <laughs> a new kid said, I like this church. <laughs> So, okay, so one of the things about people uh, from Holland, is anybody from New York? Are you really? So in New York, like, it's a lot of my friends and people who are, like, like New Yorkers through and through, uh, they, it's, like, common for people to kiss you on the cheek, right? And they'll, on each cheek. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, some of you guys know, you're like, I'm piecing this story together. I don't like where it's going. <laughs> so Ghani, it's very common for Dutch people to kiss you on the cheek. And Ghani was the type that, like, didn't understand personal space. One time we're talking everything, and, and uh, we were actually having a kind of serious conversation and, and all this. And she's standing way too close to me, and we're in church, and it was, like, after service. And so, like, you know, the worship setting on the lights. So I don't know if the lights were low. I don't know if she just wasn't paying attention, what it was. But Ghani, saying goodbye to me, goes to kiss me on the cheek and misses Bro, like, it, she didn't kiss me completely on the lips, but, like, right there, bro, she got the side of my mouth, and I ran to Amber and pleaded for her forgiveness. No, I was like, I went to Amber, I was like, babe, Ghani basically just kissed me on the mouth. She's like, what? I was like, dude, like, you know how she always kisses you on the cheek? It's like, yeah. She's, like, she's kind of, like, leaned in a little bit, and she's already talking to the side of my face, and then we go to say goodbye, and she, and I was like, uh, you know? And she got me, right? Oh, oh gosh. And, but I love that woman. She's so awesome. We wouldn't be in ministry if not for her. The only other woman in the last 14 years that I've kissed on the lips, Ghani Stanley. <laughs> you ever meet someone who doesn't understand personal space? They're always, like, close quarters, if you're taking notes, let's talk about close quarters. That's our first point tonight, and the lesson we're going to learn from the disciple Matthew, talking about close quarters. So who was Matthew? Matthew was also known as Levi, one of the most gangster thing that Jesus would do when he meets people, is he'd meet someone and be like, hey, what's your name? And Levi, you know, would be like, my name's Levi. And he goes, nah, it's Matthew. It's like, all right, <laughs> I guess my name's Matthew now. So his name was Levi. Uh, he was known as Matthew. Um, he was a disciple Matthew, before he became a disciple, he was a tax collector, which meant he was probably like a crook. He was totally like robbing his own people. He'd have been like a scumbag of society that nobody wanted to hang out with. Yet Jesus called him to be a disciple. So what's, what, what can we learn from Matthew? We can learn to be devoted to Christ and to bring brothers and sisters close. What can we learn from Matthew? We need to be devoted to Christ and bring our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to bring them close. Here's the thing. Your heart determines your life. 
Your heart determines your life. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. This is why I tell you all the time to guard your heart. Don't follow your heart. Don't, 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 like, do not be Princess Jasmine that, like, falls for Aladdin the moment he goes, do you trust me? And she's like, yes, I trust you. And then, like, she's on a flying rug 30,000 feet off of the ground with this dude named Aladdin who told her that he was a prince, but he wasn't a prince. He was a hobo. He was homeless. He was an imposter. He was a thief. He was a good-for-nothing dude that's best friend was a monkey. Well, at the time, actually, his best friend was an elephant because he got changed into an elephant. What's up with that? Uh, but, like, don't, don't follow your heart. Guard your heart because your whole life flows from it. And I think it's interesting that Matthew 22 that we just read, it said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Here's the thing. Matthew did not have a distant heart. He had a devoted heart. And you see this when Matthew, his first response, Jesus walks up to Matthew, and we're going to read this. He says, follow me. And one of his first responses was to invite the disciples and Jesus over to his house for dinner. Check this out. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 29. Here's Jesus calling Matthew to be a disciple. It says, later, as Jesus left the house, he saw a tax collector named Levi a.k.a. Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus uh, said to him. So Levi got up, check out this part, left everything. He was at his tax collector's booth. That means there was probably a ton of money there. This is his well-being. This is his job. This is how he provides for his family. It says he left everything and followed Jesus. For some of you, that's where I could end the message because you think that you could leave some things and follow Jesus. You think that you could carry just a couple things of your old life into this new life, follow Jesus. No. Look at your neighbor. Say, no. no. You need to leave everything and follow Jesus. And that's what, that's what Matthew did. But check out this next. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Another version mentions how he invites the disciples. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. Matthew's first response when Jesus called him was to get up close and personal. Matthew did not follow Jesus at a distance. See, that's the difference between a fan and a follower. Oh, we got a lot of fans of Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus seems so cool. He's so awesome. But a follower leaves everything, and he gets up close and personal. Man, some of y'all, like, some of y'all, you, you, the first thing, it would be the last thing you would do to invite Jesus over to your house. You'd be like, I got to clean my room. got to clean the bathroom. There's a couple posters I got to take off my wall. I got to make sure that he doesn't see my Netflix history. And that's just your house, let alone your, I don't know, phone or your web browser history. But Matthew invites Jesus into all of that. I love this because um, Acts 2.42, it says that they devoted themselves to the sharing in meals. And I know like when we read Acts 2.42 and we're like, they devoted themselves like to the word of God. And we're like, yes, that makes sense. And to prayer, yes, that makes sense. And to like sharing food. And you're like, that one seems kind of random. But what you got to understand about the first century was that to share a meal with somebody was a very, very intimate thing. See, you would have to invite them over to your home. You would have to really spend all day with them because there was no fast food. It wasn't like you and me where we could just like, oh, let's just jam down to In-N-Out. We'll grab a burger. We'll be In-N-Out in like 30 minutes, tops, right? 
No, no, no. It was an all-day event where you shared life and stories and struggles. You got up close and personal. See, the disciples devoting themselves to the sharing of meals wasn't their version of splitting their sandwich in half at lunchtime. It was them devoting themselves to living life in close quarters with Jesus and their brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we need to devote ourselves to. Somebody say amen. Now here's the thing. Somebody say, here's the thing. Matthew brought all these people to his house. Remember, this isn't in my notes, but remember, what, what was Matthew's occupation? Tax collector. Matthew was like robbing people. He was, he was a con artist. He was working on behalf of the oppressive Roman Empire because he, as a Jewish person, would have been able to get more money out of the Jewish people than a Roman official would have. So he's like, he's working over his own people. Everybody would have hated this guy, right? Everybody. There would have been people that hoped they could find out where Matthew lived so that they could go get revenge for him, like, like stealing their grandma's retirement money, <laughs> But Matthew invited everybody over to his house. And that would take a level of trust. Let me ask you, what's your instinct with people? Do you tend to trust or distrust? Do you tend to have proximity or keep people at a distance? But you can't be devoted from a distance. Now here's the thing. I know for some of the people in this room, you've been hurt by certain relationships. Some of you in this room, you've been hurt. You've even been hurt by Christians. But what you need to do is you need to stop holding the entire family responsible for what one sibling did. To be devoted, to be devoted in close quarters, to have close relationship, you are going to have to trust people. Because here's the thing, devotion, it takes trust. It requires trust. And to me, what I see one of the biggest blessings of God. One of the biggest blessings is the family of God. Like getting to know each other. I was just talking to somebody before service about how one of my favorite things about the family of God is you end up becoming friends with people that otherwise in the rest of the world you would never really come in contact with or you definitely wouldn't gravitate towards and become close friends. But the family of God, it does that. And my heart, dude, my heart breaks for people who are robbed of the blessing of the family of God because they always just stay at a distance. If you've been coming to Bridge Youth for a while and you're the one that just kind of walks in, you sit in the back, you stay at a distance, you don't talk to nobody and you leave, can I tell you, you're missing it. There is such beauty in this room that's not just friends. For a lot of us who've like, we're about this, like we are about this community, we're not just friends. We realize we are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the greatest blessings in, 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 in faith is being a part of the family of God. And so many of God's blessings, the filter that he wants to use to get the blessing he wants to get to you is the family of God. So, there's, so for some of you, you're missing out on certain blessings because you've just stayed at a distance. What if, what if you were just vulnerable, man? What if you just said, you know what, I, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to step in. And, and this isn't in my notes, but, but I'm going to prioritize my friendships 
with my brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're in the room and you're not a Christian, do we love you? Like you belong here, you, we back you. But for those of us who we've been following Christ for a while, I've got, I've got family and friends who are not believers. Can I tell you, I really do believe, according to scripture, we need to have a special devotion to our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. They need to be our primary relationships. They need to be the relationships we prioritize. They need to be the people we spend the most time with. I really do believe that. So let me ask you this question. Um, let, me, let me say it like this. Let, let me urge you, if, if I can, let me urge you to Devote yourself to developing close relationships in the family of God. Devote yourself to developing close relationships in the family of God. Um, I remember when we first came to the church um, here, we felt like in so many ways, like we felt like we didn't belong, like we didn't really know anybody. And then Amber and I, we met the Dunn family. We met um, Danny and Laura Dunn. Uh, they've got two kids, Paige and Kai Dunn. Uh, Kai Dunn's not here tonight because he's at a basketball game. Hopefully Jesus doesn't come back tonight. Good thing Jesus didn't have a basketball game the day he got crucified. We would have to atone for our own I'm just kidding. That is completely a joke. I'm just, Kai, I know for a fact Kai is going to watch the, the YouTube back. Like, I love you, dude. Um, and like, but you know, you know how, you know the initial connection um, to the Dunn family. It was like, hey, we're in the same church. We're in the family of God. You know the second connection? Is that a Blink-182 tattoo? And she was like, yeah. I was like, Dude, I grew up listening to Blink. That's so, you like Blink? I love Blink. Oh, that's so sick. Like, and then we just ended up like, and now, can I tell you, the Dunns, they are not our friends. They are family to us. They are family to us. Like, in, in more ways than you guys can know, they're family to us. Man, there are people in this room for you. You know, like, these people that, and, and you, you kind of sense it. You're like, it's weird. It's like, I, like, you are more than a friend to me. And that's because there's a special connection with brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so let me urge you, devote yourself to developing close relationships in the family of God. Next week, connect group. Connect group night, that might be the perfect night to initiate this, to start prioritizing this. So let me, let me ask you this question. Who are the brothers and sisters in Christ that God might be calling you to devote yourself to doing life alongside? Who are the brothers and sisters in Christ that God might be calling you? Look at your neighbor, say you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second again, and say you. Boom. Are there people in this room that God might be calling you to be devoted to developing not a distant, not a distant friendship, a close friendship, a I'll pray for you, you pray for me. I get your back, you get my back. We are going to encourage each other in our faith. We're going to keep each other accountable. We are going to worship together. We're going to serve God together. We're going to walk this journey together. I love seeing these type of friendships develop here at Bridge Youth. And there's so many of them. So, man, can I tell you, there's room for you as well. Jump into the family. Because like, like Wyatt said last week, Wyatt said, what if it's not about who you need? What if it's about who needs you? Our second point, um, let's talk about Judas. Our second point, write this down if you're taking no notes. Point two, so close yet so far. And this is a lesson that we can learn from Judas. Who was Judas? Judas was called Judas Iscariot. 
Uh, Judas was the treasurer for Jesus' ministry. Ironically, so he managed the money. Ironically, he was stealing money from the treasury. And Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus to the Jews and the Romans, leading to his crucifixion. What can we learn from Judas? We can learn that you can be so close, yet so far. John chapter 13, uh, verse 21 to 27 Um, Jesus and the disciples are sitting down at what was called the Last Supper. And this is where Jesus institutes the concept of the Lord's Supper that we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, And here's what happens in in this story. John chapter 13, verse 21. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other wondering, what he could mean. The, disciples, uh, the disciple Jesus loved, which you're probably wondering, who is that? That's John who wrote this, which like, bro, how arrogant is that? John is writing this, and he's like, the disciple Jesus loved. It's like, bro, that's like the youngest child. If they were to write a book, they'd be like, you know mom and dad's favorite, and you're like, who's that? And they're like, you know who it is. It's like, I hate you some. Where's all the youngest children, the baby in the room? <sighs> Where's the middle children? God bless you. I, I love you. I intercede in prayer for you because mom and dad can't remember your birthday, let alone your name. Come on now. So, so John says the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? Verse 25. So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one whom I give the bread that I dip in the bowl. And when Jesus had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. Verse 27, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. While at dinner with Jesus, Satan entered Judas. This is so scary to me, you guys. While at dinner with Jesus, Satan enters Judas. Apparently, you could be in the presence of Jesus, yet your heart be closer to Satan than it is God. Judas was with Jesus every day for over three years. He saw miracles. He knew Jesus on a level that you and I won't know him until we get to heaven. He knew what Jesus looked like. He knew what Jesus' voice sounded like. And still, he betrayed Jesus. Somehow, his proximity was never personal. Do not let being in church every week fool you into thinking that you know, love, and are devoted to Jesus. This is what we can learn from Judas. Proximity don't mean nothing. You might know about God, but do you know God? You might know about Jesus, but do you know Jesus? Some of you, like, some of you are here every week out of obligation because your parents make you come to church. Some of you, you're here week after week after week because for you, your friends are here and it's just a hangout. And look, we love that you're here. But either way, I cannot tell you as your youth pastor how much my heart would break if week after week after week you were here and you were so close yet so far. You were here and you would hear the message and you'd be in moments of worship and you'd hang out before and after. And that's not just hang out. That's fellowship. It's sacred. It is sacred ping pong, bro. It is sacred carpet ball that I will give you the work in. Just meet me there after service. It is sacred hangout. Like, And that you would see all of this and miss the point. 
The point of all of this, everything, is not to be a hangout. It's not to have cool stage lighting and really, really, really dope graphics. Shout out, Trinity. It's not that we would have a place where you could come and like meet a cute girl or meet a cute guy. It's not that we would have that place. The entire point of every single thing that we do here at Bridge Youth is that you would come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and live a life of devotion to him. That's what this is all about. And it terrifies me that Judas is sitting at dinner with Jesus. Dude, did you notice that it was after he ate the bread which we're going to do in a second. We're going to do in just a little bit. We're going to take communion tonight, you guys. And at, someone said, yes, free bread. It's, they're, they're tiny. It will not fill you up. It's, <laughs> they're like intentionally stale crackers so that you don't miss the point, okay? <laughs> but it's great, dude. It is, it is, as your youth pastor, dude, it is, it is, it is terrifying to me that that Judas just took communion, the bread is representative of Jesus Christ's body that was broken for us. And right after he ate the bread, it says that Satan entered him. He entered his heart. There must have been something wrong with Judas' soul. Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Judas' very soul was three feet from Jesus when Satan entered him. You could be in church every friggin' week and miss it. Please, don't miss it. I love hanging out with y'all. This is not a hangout. I love when we jump and, and, and the lights are, look cool and we have the fog machine on. This is not a concert. It's, that is, those moments are moments of worship. And it's fun. And it should be fun. I believe it should be fun. But it's also sacred. I would, I would hate for you to miss the entire point. And the entire point is Jesus. That you would know him like I know him. And I see some of you week after week. Uh, some of you, I don't, I don't know your name, but man, I recognize your face. And for some of you, it seems like you are just at a distance every week, coming in and hanging out, enjoying church. And we love that. And then you leave. And as your pastor, I can tell you're just, you're missing it. And that breaks my heart more than you know. Because I love that we can provide a safe space and place for you to come and hang out and skate. And meet people that hopefully most of which will be very friendly and really nice. And not all Christians are perfect. And not everyone who's in church is a Christian. Um, just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you're in a church doesn't make you a Christian. <laughs> But, like, it's, I want so much more for you. I don't want you to be so close yet so far. And if we can learn anything from Judas, we can learn that you could be so close yet so far. So let me ask you tonight. Maybe you want to write this, write this down. Is it possible that you've been so close yet so far? Uh, my last point as the band heads up. We've learned from Matthew, we've, we've, we've learned from Judas. Let's learn from one of my favorite disciples, maybe the disciple that I most relate to. Let's learn from Peter. What are we going to learn from him? Remember to remember. 
Where's all the people in the house that would willingly admit you have a terrible memory? Where you at? Amber, get your hand in the air. Put that hand up, man. Come on. I have a fantastic memory. My wife, she's gorgeous. <laughs> um, who was Peter? Uh, Peter, his name was Caiaphas before. And, uh, and then, you know, his name was Simon before, and then name changed to Caiaphas, which means Peter. Um, that was another one that Jesus just changed his name. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. Uh, Peter was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. He was in, like, the inner three. He was, like, top three of disciples that had uh, the most proximity to Jesus. And what can we learn from Peter? We can learn that Jesus and the cross needs to ever be on our mind. Scripture says, uh, Matthew 22 that we read earlier, you must love the Lord your God with all your mind. Somebody say mind. Your memory it happens in your mind. And um, there's this moment where it seems like Peter forgets what he said. He for, anybody ever tell you, hey, remember when you said blah, blah, and you're like, when did I say that? Remember when you said that you'd pay for my movie? And you're like, I don't remember that. Peter apparently had one of those moments because uh, Jesus is telling his disciples, dude, like, they're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. And Peter pipes up and is like, no, dude, no, 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 no. You're my boy. I got your back. Like, why is it, guys, why is, like, the most loving thing that we could possibly do for our friends is, like, getting a fight for them? <laughs> it's like there's so many other ways you could be there for your friend. But for guys, it's like, dude, I love you, bro. You're my dog. Like, really? I love you too, bro. It's like, really? Like, how could you show me you love me? I'll punch someone in the face for you. Bro, you punch someone in the face for me. Like, and that was like Peter. Peter said in Matthew 26, verse 35, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never, somebody say never. I will never deny you. Five minutes later, Luke chapter 22, verse 56. Uh, this is when like everything goes down. Jesus has been arrested. They're getting ready to crucify him. They're getting ready to beat him. Jesus is, is under arrest. And what happens is Peter's following kind of the scene. He's following closely by, but he's hiding in the shadows. And, and then somebody recognizes him. A few people recognize him. And this one, Luke 22, verse 56, a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. He said, I don't even know him. Right after that, Jesus looks straight at him from a, from a distance and a rooster crows, which is exactly what Jesus said would happen after he denied him three times. It's like, it's like Peter forgot to remember. Let's learn from Peter's mistake. Jesus can't be a distant memory because that's not devotion. Jesus cannot be a distant memory. That's not devotion. This is why... When we do salvation call, in a moment, um, I'll do an opportunity. It's called an appeal. It's, it's um, a salvation call for people to receive Jesus. Now, here's one of the things over the years that I've heard. I've heard Christians, Christians, let me say, Christians come to me and go, Pastor Corey, why do you have to do that every single week? <sighs> it's, like, it's like it gets boring, dude. And right there, I immediately realize you have missed it. Apparently, you forgot that at one point in time, you were lost and you were broken in need of 
a savior. See, devoted Christians, you know what devoted Christians do every week when I start moving into the appeal, when I begin to go into the salvation call, you know what devoted Christians do? They bow their heads and they begin praying. God, anybody in this room that doesn't know you, God, would you soften their hearts? Devoted Christians in this room, there are people in this room that you have no clue have been praying for you every single week when we go into the appeal, that your heart would become open, that you would just take the leap, man, encourage you, would take a step into a relationship with him. That's what devote, because we do not forget about Jesus and the cross. But Peter seemingly never forgot Jesus and the cross again. He never again let Jesus and the cross leave his memory. Because even in the face of death, because Peter, he was murdered for his faith. He was put to death. And they tell Peter, like, yo, it's time to meet your maker. This Jesus you've been, you've been so dedicated to, we've told you time and time and time again, if you don't stop talking about Jesus in public, we'll kill you. And Peter goes, you're just going to have to kill me because my life is to spread the gospel. And they go, all right. They arrest him. They beat him. And they're like, you're getting ready to die. And you know, where, you know where Peter's mind, his memory goes to when he's getting ready to be executed? He immediately has an image in his head of the cross and Jesus on it. And Peter goes, wait, before you kill me, I know you're going to crucify me. Would you crucify me upside down? Because I'm not worthy to die in the same manner that my Lord died. How crazy is that? I mean, a part of me would think, like, would that be more painful? But Peter asked for it because the thing that was on his mind in the face of death was Jesus on the cross. This is crazy. As I was digging into this... um, I didn't know if I was going to share this because the Gospels don't give us all this information, but some historians do. Uh, Peter was married. Peter had a wife, and, and the Bible gives us literally no information about Peter's wife. But we know that Peter was married because the Gospels record that he had a mother-in-law. So do the math. He had a wife. But there's some historians that record that according to Roman tradition, the Romans would have arrested Peter's wife and forced Peter to watch them crucify her first. And there's one specific historian that records that Peter's only words to his wife as she was being crucified was, remember the Lord. The cross should never stop crossing our mind. The cross should never be a distant memory. The cross is what changed everything. The cross isn't just a neat little piece of jewelry. If you wear cross jewelry, that's fine. But understand and remember what that symbol means. That symbol was an execution tool. It was a death sentence. It was the most painful, it was the most painful death that anybody has ever endured. We should devote ourselves to remembering to remember. This is why we devote ourselves to the Lord's Supper. Acts, Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the Lord's Supper. What, what is the Lord's Supper? It is communion. What is communion? Communion is a, is a Christian tradition where we take bread and we take traditionally wine. Here at youth, it will be juice. Someone's like, I do like this church. No, it'll be grape juice. But these two things, they represent the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And here's where Christ, uh, here's uh, the Apostle Paul 
writing about when Christ instituted it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul says, I pass on to you that which I received from the Lord myself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Why did the disciples devote themselves to the Lord's Supper, to communion? The disciples were not devoting themselves to a glorified snack time. The disciples were devoting themselves to remembering the cross. They were devoting themselves to never allowing the single greatest moment in human history to become a distant memory. The disciples are saying, we devote ourselves to the Lord's Supper because every chance we get, we are going to remind ourselves of Jesus Christ on the cross. Why is this important? Because when you remind yourself that somebody died so that you could live, then you live different. When you remind yourself that somebody loved you so much that they died a horribly painful death for you, then you love different. When you remind yourself that God freely gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross as forgiveness for your sin, then you forgive different. When you remind yourself that Jesus was so devoted to you that he endured the cross, that he allowed people to beat him, to scourge him, to drive 18-inch iron spikes through his hands and his feet, and he slowly drowned in his own blood publicly in front of everybody. He did that because of his devotion to you. And when you remind yourself of that, you cannot help but to live a life of devotion to him. Somebody say amen to that. And tonight, in remembrance of that, we're going to take communion in a few minutes, but we have some business to take care of first. Because here's the thing about communion. Our faith, our faith is an all-inclusive faith. Anybody can come to Jesus. There's only one door. That door is Jesus. But anybody can come to God. But communion is one of the things that is specifically for Christians. It is for the sons and daughters of God to remember what Jesus did on the cross. So for some of you, you've never accepted Jesus Christ. Can I tell you tonight, you cannot be devoted at a distance. But you can't close the gap between you and God. So he did it for you. This is the difference. You ever wonder, when people ask, thousands of gods, thousands of religions, what's so different about yours? You wanna know what's different about our faith? Every single faith in human history, all of it, every bit of it, is man's attempt to get to God. Our faith is God coming to man. We couldn't get to him, so he came to us. And in this moment, you're about to have an opportunity because you couldn't close the gap. You couldn't, you couldn't close that distance. God did it for you. All you have to do is say yes. 
you're going to have the opportunity to do that right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody distracting anybody, nobody moving around in this moment. This is a public setting, but a private moment. This is a sacred moment. If you're here and you would say, Pastor Corey, that's me. I want a relationship with God. I want to close that gap. I want to... I don't want distance from God anymore. I want forgiveness of my sin. I want a fresh start, a new beginning, and I want to know him. I don't want to be so close yet so far. I want to love him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. This is your moment to do that. This is your moment to take that first step. If that's you, you want to take that first step. What I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand and you can put it right back down. I only ask that you do that because I believe when we respond on the outside to what God's doing on the inside, it solidifies it in our heart, in our lives, in our souls. So this is your moment. This is your time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. It's just me. This is your moment between you and God. Christians in the house are praying right now. When I get to three, you lift your hand, put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Amazing. You could put it right back down. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God rose him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So that's what we're gonna do right now. We call it prayer, but it's really just talking to God. And for some of you, you've never prayed. Don't trip, chocolate chip. I'm gonna give you the words and we're a family here, so we pray together. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you repeat these simple words right after me? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you my mind, I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. And from this moment forward, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. From this moment forward, I'm your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's welcome people into God's family right now. Stay seated for a moment. Um, our team's gonna prepare to distribute the elements of communion. Um, as they do, let me just say something really quick, okay? We're, we at Bridge Youth, we're fun, we're wild, kind of crazy sometimes. You'll all see that at the last song of worship when we're jumping and partying and having a blast. Um, hear me, from the front to the back, hear me. If ever there was a moment to take very seriously, it's this moment. We are about to partake in something that believers have been doing for, for thousands of years. If ever there's a moment to not be a distraction, it's this moment. We in Western culture with, with our faith, we, we do really good at the relationship side of our faith, and we're not that great at the reverence side of faith. faith. This is a reverent moment. So let me just say, in a moment as our team begins to pass out the, um, the elements. They're just gonna go down the, the aisles. You'll see there's a cup with a small piece of bread on top and there's juice in a bottom small cup. Um, just pass the containers back and forth and grab one. Um, but, but if this is a moment that you know that you are not sincerely stepping into 
and you're not taking serious all the respect in the world for you to let it just pass you and don't take of communion with us tonight. Is that cool with everybody? So in these next few moments, trust me when I say this is a moment when if you are a distraction, our team is going to come and they're going to bring you in the back to not be a distraction because this for some people is going to be the moment when the cross becomes real to you. This is a holy moment. The Holy Spirit's here. And for some of you, this is the moment when you're gonna see like breakthrough. This is the moment when your relationship with God goes to that next level. Because what we're about to do is remember what all of this is all about. Team, can you go and begin to distribute this? As, as our team is distributing, um, yeah, can you please? Um, as our team's distributing this, uh, it's going to be a little bit hard. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give it to you guys. It's going to be a little bit hard to not be just semi-distracted at how difficult these things can be to open. But you'll see there's two tabs. The first one, you'll be able to get to the bread. You can start right now. Go ahead if you guys already have them. Start right now. Open the first tab. Pull that wafer out. Begin to fold back the second tab, which will give you access to that juice. As it's going by... Um, do your best to not let opening that be the thing that distracts you. But um, let, me, let me take time to just remind you of what we're remembering in this moment. What's communion all about? Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? What is this all about? There's a verse in, in Isaiah chapter 53 in verse 5 where it talks about this. And here's what the verse says. The first line, it says, he was pierced for our rebellion. Did you know that that crucifixion was considered to be so painful that they created a new word to describe the pain? Don't, 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 nobody take of the elements yet. We're gonna do that together in a minute. <laughs> Did you know that the place that we get our word for excruciating is from the description of the pain felt in crucifixion. Excruciating comes from the Latin word that means out of the cross. Crucifixion was 18 inch iron spikes being driven through probably not the hands, but the wrist and the feet of the victim. They'd be nailed to wooden blocks hung in front of everybody and the primary way that people would die in crucifixion wasn't of their wounds it was actually uh, either from suffocation or from drowning in their own blood crucifixion was designed to when you're hanging on the cross the only way you, your, your weight would slowly drift down that would collapse onto your own lungs and you couldn't breathe and the only way to get a breath was by the leverage of the nails in your hands lift yourself up to get and then drop right back down most people died of suffocation very very slowly and he was pierced why for our rebellion the next line it says he was crushed for our sins. And here's the thing. They didn't just beat Jesus physically. They degraded him on every level. They mocked Jesus. They spit on Jesus. They put a sign above him on the cross that said, King of the Jews. And they created a, a crown of thorns 
and shoved it down into his skull to mock him of his kingship. And, and remember that, that Jesus was not defenseless in this moment. At any moment, Jesus could have snapped his finger and brought down 10,000 angels to completely wipe out these people who were causing him so much pain. But he didn't. He allowed it. And the, the part in the passion of the Christ that gets me every time, dude, is as they're driving the nails through his hands, instead of retaliating, he prays for them. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The next line in Isaiah chapter 53 says, he was beaten so we could be whole and he was whipped so we could be healed. Before Jesus carried his own cross onto this hill where he was crucified, the Romans would have beaten him. They would have whipped him. They, they would have what was called scourged him. And the weapon they would have used was, was called a cat of nine tails. It was a nine-in-one whip. It was nine whips all connected in one. At the end of each of these nine uh, tails of the whip would have been um, would have been glass or like hooks. And this whip, it wasn't designed to just to just kind of hit his back. What what it was designed to do is the hooks, as they hit, would grip flesh and rip it out. There's there's a verse in scripture that says after having been beaten. Jesus wasn't even recognizable as a human. That's how bad he was beaten. And he did all of that so that we could be made whole, so that we can be healed. He did all of that because of his devotion to you and to me. Let us devote ourselves Never, ever forgetting the cross. What are we remembering in this moment? We aren't remembering a, a, a happy, cheerful, we are, we, are, we are remembering a moment that would have been too gruesome for any of us to even look at. We're remembering the moment that Jesus atoned for our sins. One of the things that they devoted themselves to was this. Let us be devoted to this. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. Take the bread in your hand. It says that he broke it. And when I take communion often, I'll, I'll just break that as a reminder of the body that was broken for me. And after having given thanks for it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you for the pain that you endured for us. Thank you that you held nothing back. And in the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, 
this is the new covenant. The, the, I, uh, I, I was thinking about this today. It's not in my notes, but I actually wrote this down in a, in a folder that I have for preaching. Um, those of you who grew up in church, you would, you, you would have heard of what's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Who's heard of the Lamb's Book of Life? Okay, so this is a book in heaven, and in this book are names. And whether or not you get into heaven is dependent on if your name is in that book. Why is it called the Lamb's Book of Life? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And when Jesus wrote this book, he didn't dip his pen in ink. He dipped his pen in blood. And this is a sign of the new covenant. This is why we can stand before God justified and not afraid. This is why we don't have to fear death. Because for us, death is a homecoming. This is what has purchased us healing. This is what gives us our identity. This is what washes our sin away. And no matter what your life has looked like, you can be washed white as snow. That's what this is. And on the night that he was betrayed, in the same manner, he took of the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take, and when you drink, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take of the cup together. Right there, just begin to thank Jesus for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross, and thank you for your blood. Thank you, God, for everything that you did for us. In Jesus' name. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Don't, don't, don't lose those cups. I know right now your first thought is, and, and like I said, it'll be contending with these things are one of the hard parts of communion. But um, you're going to have a, a moment to drop those as you head to the front. So would you guys do this? Um, nobody distracting anybody. Don't lose focus. Uh, as you head to the front, there's trash cans on the way. Just drop your communion elements right in there as you head up to the front. We're going to move into a moment of worship. Don't lose this moment. Don't lose this moment. Don't distract anybody. When we take communion, it is a form of remembering. It's a form of remembering. This is why the disciples devoted themselves to the Lord's Supper. Because this was the single greatest moment in history Nothing comes close. Here's the thing. This moment changed everything. Yes, for you and me, but for the whole world. This moment is how we judge time. There's BC and there's AD. BC stands for before Christ. AD, we remember it as after death, but it actually means anno dominion, which is a Latin term that means the year of our Lord. The time frame of humanity is based on the cross. Every one of your every needs is met at the cross. Who we are, our very identity is answered at the cross. You have a whole world asking, who am I? You have a whole world going through a collective identity crisis because they won't remember the cross. The next time that you make, a, you make a mistake, the next time that you sin, the next time that you feel like how Peter probably felt, absolutely unworthy, instead of soaking in your sin, instead of letting 
instead of letting Satan convince you to run from God, remember the cross. That Jesus lived a perfect life and then he died so that you and I didn't have to be perfect. And tonight, that's what this is all about. It, in a moment as we dig into worship, as, as we press into worship, I want your guys' thoughts, your minds, we'll be singing about the cross. I want it to go to the cross. Our prayer stations are open on both sides. If there's something you need prayer for, I want you to go get prayer. But right now in this moment, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to completely forget about who's around you. Close your eyes, forget about who's around you. Nobody's chatting with anybody. No one's distracting anybody. If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands all over this place? I know I say that, close your eyes and forget you're in a crowded room all the time, but if ever I really mean it, it's right now. With hands lifted and eyes closed. With hands lifted and eyes closed. your mind go to the cross and what it is that Jesus did for you and me so we worship we love you we worship you we honor you bless you Jesus
Jesus Christ did on the cross. There is nothing good enough or how many times you come to church. Like there is nothing that we can do in our life that can earn what he did for us. And there is nothing that you have done that has been so terrible that he didn't get on that cross for you. So I just need you to know that no matter where you're at in life, sometimes we can think, okay, like, you know, I go to church and I'm good enough and I got this going on and I make good choices. That is not enough. What Christ did is enough. And some of you in this room can think, you know, I've I messed up. Like, I've I messed up really bad. I've hurt some people. I've made some bad choices. Like, and, and it's hard for you to accept what God did. He didn't, he did it despite all of those things. He did it despite that. And so tonight, if there's anything we want you to leave with is that to remember what Christ did and to not let that get far from you. And not just in this building, but when you go home, you walk into your house, you get into your room and you close that door, remember that Christ got on that cross and he died a brutal death. Not just, he just died. He died a brutal death, like Pastor Corey was talking about just for the chance that you would choose him. We still have a choice, and it's just for the chance that we would choose him and to be reconnected with God. So I want you to remember that, Bridge Youth. And I wanna just say, if you made the decision to follow Christ tonight, I just wanna say that's the best decision you could have made. Let's just give it up for everybody who made that decision tonight. We know that there's a lot of questions. We know that there's a lot of sometimes confusion in how you begin to walk out that new relationship with God. But we want to walk that out with you. So we have seven videos. Pastor Corey is just kind of telling you the next seven days, here's some things that you're going to begin to walk out this new relationship with Christ. And we are a church family here. We are. We want to do life with you. We want to connect with you. And so... If you made that decision, we want you to DM us next seven at bridge YTH underscore, and we will get you those videos. If you don't have Instagram, please let our prayer partners know. We will make sure to get you those videos in another way that works for you, okay? So don't just make that decision. Let us walk this out with you. Let us help you walk this out, okay? Let's be a church community. Let's be who we are at Bridge Youth. We do life together, not alone. All right, so... Also, remember, we have church on Sunday, too, so we have service takeover. Come and hang out with us. And next week, everybody say next week. We got Connect Group Night, and I'm telling you, you need to be here. You need to be here. Connect Group Night is going to be awesome, and we don't want you to miss it. So come on Sunday, come on Wednesday. Let's worship one more time, Bridge Youth. Let's go. Let's go.